0: you know we're we're getting ready it's we're we're smack dab into advent season now and celebrating the birth of jesus christ and something that i want to do is i want to shift from our week to week we're going through a spiritual war series right now but for the next 4 weeks we're going to do a complete shift and this is a series called what a name what a name who knows there is no name above the name of jesus christ And that is why I worship. That is why I'm here. That is why I can be connected to God. Without Jesus Christ, we don't have a whole lot. So who is ready for Christmas? I know people that celebrate Christmas all year long. I know people that never take down their Christmas tree. I know people that have Christmas lights up just so when it comes time next year, it's already up and they just turn the switch right back on. Right? And every year it seems in our culture Although Christmas seems to rise each and every year, like I was going in before, before Halloween and stores had their Christmas decor out, right? I think I saw it as early as September this year. As, as that seems to be rising, the name of Jesus Christ seems to be diminishing in our culture, And so we as a church, I mean, obviously, it goes without saying that we need to be bold about the name of Christ. But what better opportunity than to proclaim that on this holiday, this Christmas season, it belongs to him. And this is who he is, and this is what his name is. So I encourage you to turn with me into the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. And this whole series is going to take us through uh, just chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. For those who don't know, the book of Isaiah is a prophetic book. Many parts of Isaiah gives prophecy in regards to the Messiah. And in prophesying about the coming of the Messiah, he references the names he will be called. And so we're going to focus on these names and the important meaning that comes with each one of these names, what it carries behind that name. And so today's message is called Wonderful Counselor. Everyone say it with me. Wonderful Counselor, you know what? You can do that much better. One, two, three. Wonderful counselor. You guys are picking up what I'm putting down today. Let's read Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. It says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. What will he be called? He'll be called Mighty God. He'll be called Everlasting Father. He'll be called Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. Who can say amen to that? He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Wow, that's powerful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that it brings, the promise and hope that it brings, God, because it doesn't just speak to the Messiah coming to this earth, but it speaks of an eternity spent with him. So, God, there is still things in this scripture that need to be fulfilled, and we look to it with a longing and a hope. God, I pray that, Lord, your truth, will resonate, re- resonate inside the hearts of minds and believers today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as I think about that term, wonderful counselor, do you know there is a difference between receiving wise counsel and a difference between going to just a counselor? Do you know that? Now, all of us, I I think it's important to establish, all of us are not above needing guidance. We're not above needing advice, wisdom imparted to us from time to time. In fact, I think something that the church has lost is the investment of wisdom and people being open enough to talk about life's problems, to seek wisdom. Now, some of you might be sitting idly by and just saying, man, I just wish someone would speak to me about this situation. Well, have you gone to the pillars of the church? Have you gone to your leaders? Have you gone to the teachers of your classes? Have you gone to the pastors to ask them for wise counsel, wise advice? I believe often it's taken for granted. And a buzzword today, we talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about um, the battle of our mind, is how many people get therapy today. Do you guys remember those numbers? We're going to talk about it briefly here, but there is a clear difference, what I'm talking about today, versus therapy or counseling. The difference is a biblical approach compared to a worldly approach. And as we were talking in our, our, our spiritual war series, I mentioned there were those drastic numbers of those who received therapy. is greater today than it ever was before. In fact, the, just a couple of the numbers that I wanted to break down and remind you of. Tw- there are 29 therapists for every 100,000 people in the United States. But if you go to a country like Argentina, there is 206 therapists for every 100,000 people. Think about that. Now, if, if you were truly to get into understanding what a therapist does, most therapists, they simply practice the art of listening to allow people to get things off their chest. And in some cases, I know people that this can be quite beneficial for And then sometimes they can walk away with some practical tools to get through difficult times. But church, I want to remind you, there is a danger in receiving just worldly perspective and worldly wisdom. Is everyone with me? Okay. However, if you take a counselor with a biblical approach, it's going to direct you to God's intended purpose for your life and who the Word of God says you are. So it becomes vital for us that we desire honoring God with our lives and making sure our life lines up with God's word and that is why we need that counsel. Whether you're dealing with the burden of sin or there's temptation, if you go to lay on the couch of a therapist and they're not a Christian, and you might be in agony over the things you've done or the things going on in your life, they might not see what the big deal is. They might not understand. Take sin, for example. If the Lord's convicting your heart about something, how are they supposed to resonate with that if they're not following biblical truth? Where if you went to a Christian counselor, they are going to be able to empathize with you properly, point you to a biblical approach, and encourage you you in the direction that you should go. Now, as I was reading, because therapy is the big buzzword in our culture today, and that's what people seek, a counselor and therapist are different occupations. A counselor should offer short-term care versus a therapist offers long-term care, but What has happened is in our culture, those lines have become blurred over the last decade, and that is why I do say we all need counseled from time to time. Amen? Are you guys still on the same page with me? Because I know the moment I said we all need counseled from time to time, some of you are like, well, I don't. (laughs) Pastor, I have it all together. Got everything figured out. Me and the wife, we got no problems. None. It's complete harmony and bliss all the time. Work, nothing ever goes wrong. The car's always running perfectly. There's always enough money to do anything I ever want. Life is beautiful. Who, who's uttered those words regularly, right? And so so you sit there and think about life struggles and everything we deal with, and that is why I say we all need counsel from the t- time to time, and we should seek wisdom to get us through life's challenges. And so, something that you have to decide is whether or not you are going to be open to wisdom from others. And I, I need to emphasize this again. All of us here are not above needing guidance, advice, and wisdom imparted to us from time to time. And I think something that the church has truly lost is the investment of the older generation and the wisdom they can provide into the younger generation. I think what has happened is there have become factions. There have become churches that they might focus on solely ministering to an older generation. There are churches that say, we are solely focused on ministering to a younger generation. Or maybe those are the unspoken things. It is done by the church's behaviors, but they're not talking about how these two two major age gaps should be intermingling. They should be of value to one another. Can I get an amen there? That, that is something that we should seek. That is something that we should desire. We shouldn't take that for granted. Listen to Job 12.12. 12. It says, wisdom belongs to the aged and understanding to the old. As I'm getting older, and slowly, very slowly, I'm gaining wisdom, I realize that even though I've gone through many of life, life's lessons, I still get things wrong from time to time. You older ones, who are, who's with me there? It's like, well, as many things as I've gotten right, i got that one wrong. And so I can tell you that we should seek wisdom from others, but don't look to others as the end all to be all for answers for your life because they're human just like you. And they are going to get things wrong. I got to tell you, when I face a difficult situation, there are, there are many people that I go to for advice. And you know what? Ten times out of ten times, they all have something different to say. They all have different little pieces or nuggets they can give me. And I'm going to tell you, the more people you seek out their wisdom for, it's not that you're going to have more people's ideas marry up to one another and it makes everything click for you. It's going to make things more clouded. And so, what you got to do is you got to go to those people you trust for wise advice, take what they say, and still you have to make the decision for yourselves. You can't go through something, make the decision, man, I am losing them as a wise advisor. I am losing them as a counselor. They don't know what they're talking about. The wisest man noted in the Bible, King Solomon, he had advisors. In fact, we know this because one of them, Jeroboam, rebelled against him. And then you have someone like King David. And what greater king was known to Israel than David, right? And David sought counsel and he always had a prophet who would pour into him. It started with Samuel. And he looked to Samuel for advice as he, as he went through and he, as he became king and as he, he battled certain things going on around him. And then eventually it became Nathan. And imagine the position Nathan was put in when God used him to, to confront the king of Israel over major sin in his life. But David chose to yield to the wisdom and advice and the prophetic word that rested on Nathan. He needed that godly counselor. Church, are you hearing me? Listen to Proverbs 15.22. It says, without counsel, listen to this, without counsel plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors they are established. I accidentally put the wrong version up there. So she's going to black out that screen and you're going to just listen. I want you to listen. Without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Church, that is godly. There's wisdom behind it. So I encourage you today, embrace advice. Gravitate to those with experience. But mostly, it is important for you, no matter what you go through, to not lose sight that no one can counsel like Jesus Christ. There is no one that can counsel like him. And some of you might say, Pastor, okay, so I picture Jesus way up here, have a hard time relating to the Son of God, What makes him a wonderful counselor? And I want to talk about three ways that, three things, I should say, that make Jesus a wonderful counselor. And the first thing is very important. I think you need to write this down, and it's simple in form, but I'm telling you it's hard to reason within your mind, is that he understands your struggles. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So every test he went through, how many times have you gone through a test and you say, if I just would have known or if I just would have warned myself, then maybe I wouldn't have fallen into that trap. Guess what? Jesus had that same test and he made it through. What a better counselor than someone who faced the same test and was able to overcome it. Amen? So Jesus, he understands your struggle. How many times have you gone through something awful and someone says, I understand what you're going through? And you walk away going, no, they don't. You say, they don't have a clue what I have gone through. And we sit there and we're like, well, it seems empty coming from them because they haven't been through it. I want to emphasize, and I believe it to be true, and I can give you the reasons why. Jesus does know exactly what you are going through because he knows your heart, and he knows your mind. If you've been betrayed, so is he. Have you been wrongly accused? Jesus was. from gossip that we experience to physical pain to loneliness, experiencing loss, whether you've reached what you feel is your bottom point, Jesus understands. So you and I, we cannot discount the investment that God has chosen to make in your life by sending Jesus Christ for you. Some of you are thinking, hold on, Pastor. He he was fully God, but he experienced human suffering also being fully man. Listen to John 1.14. It says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So it is important for you and I to not picture Jesus Christ as someone who is so far off that he can barely be attained, he can't be touched. He ultimately experienced the pain of sin by taking your sin on the cross, So he even understands the suffering that comes from sin because of what he did on the cross. He understands the human condition. And because of that, number two, he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. And I want to be real with you for a second because I know, I know Christians regularly struggle going to God every time they have a problem in their life. You might turn to someone else first. So think about the counselor for just a minute. Could you keep going to the same counselor if you stopped paying your bill? They might care about you as a person, but their care is only going to go so far. You guys picking up what I'm putting down? Okay. Jesus, though, he cares about your emotional well-being. He cares about your spiritual growth. He cares about the pain you suffer Because if Jesus Christ has, if they know the numbers, if him, God, the Holy Spirit, if collectively they know the numbers of the hairs on your head because they care about you so much, they have poured out to you, they were a part of that conception of you. You hear me? Then doesn't he care enough to walk through each and every trial with you? It's important to remember he doesn't look at what you have to consider your value. He looks at you as a person and he sees your value and worth. Matthew 6:26 Jesus says, "Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Think about the meticulous care God puts into his creation, right? And we see so many forms of trust of God, but there are so many things in our life that we cannot yield to Him, because of fear, because of doubt, because of worry. I want you that there's a phrase you've heard, perhaps: "God helps those who help themselves." Have you heard that phrase? It should be, listen to this, God helps those who can't help themselves. When you see no way out, God steps in if you choose to surrender your life to him. If you choose to turn those things over. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, it says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you. Who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You know, I've argued with many people over a verse found in First Corinthians. There's a phrase. This was this was the, 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 there's a phrase that's derived out of 1 Corinthians, and forgive me, I can't tell you the reference right now. But God will not give you more than you can handle in regards to your sin, your temptation, right? But God puts you through tests and trials all the time where you can't handle it without him, okay? You cannot handle those things without him. And so you are going through life. No no matter if you are the most educated person in the world, no matter if you have the most money in the world, no matter if you were, pardon the phrase, on the east side, if you were fed with a silver spoon, no matter what you have gone through, what you are going to find is that we all have encountered things where we cannot stand on our own. We need God. And the awesome thing about God is He cares enough for you that he is always there. He is always available. Just call on the name of the Lord. Number three, he commits himself to you. Do you know Jesus wants a personal relationship with you? Everyone in this room, take your index finger, point it at your chest, and say, me. He wants a relationship with me. See, here's the thing. You might have done it because pastors asking us to do that call and response thing again. It's kind of obnoxious, but here, here's the reality. We say these things, we repeat these things in church, and we look at others and say, man, that person has it all together. Look what God's done for them. He doesn't do anything for me. Or we sulk or think about what God, God hasn't done or what he could do or, or thinking that it just doesn't apply to us. And I am telling you that God has a very individualized plan and purpose for your life. Say amen to that. God has a very individualized and purposed plan in your life. And what you have to do is just choose to surrender in obedience and say, God, I am about your will, not mine. John 10, 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. At the time, this doesn't make too much sense nowadays, but at the time, it was a very familiar phrase because sheep would only respond to the shepherd's voice. If someone else came along, the sheep would not respond to their voice, but that old, familiar voice they would respond to. Once you and I choose to be in tune with Jesus... Once we do, as we talked about last week in Spiritual War, we apply that truth. Once we know what the Word of God says, once we are in tune with that Holy Spirit and we're receiving revelation from Him as well, you're going to find that you can trust and lean on Him more and more and more. That He is committed to you. And He wants to talk with you. And so what I want to do is I want to leave you with something just a little practical. This is how I believe Jesus can speak to you today. Who, wants to hear, who needs to hear from the Lord? Okay. First one is the most important one. These go in order, I believe. Speaks to you through the Bible. Church, don't neglect it. Many of you, you turn on Christian radio hoping to get something to fill you for that day, it doesn't compare to the Word of God. Many of you are crying out, man, I just wish God would use someone else to speak into my life. Yet don't crack open a Bible. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't line up with who God says he is. He's spoken us through his Word. We should value it. Listen to Psalm 119, 105. It says, your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light. For my path. So if we choose to open our heart to what it says, God will speak to you through His written word. Number two, the other way Jesus can speak to you today is by His Holy Spirit. John 16 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you in all truth. I need guidance. I need it daily. I need to yield to him. If, if, if the Holy Spirit says, no, Aaron, go left, i got to go left. I can't go right. We need to yield to what the Spirit of God wants to speak into our lives. He has given us the Holy Spirit to convict us, to nudge us, to prompt us to pray for others. He reveals truth to us through God's word. Are you hearing me? That's why God's word comes first. And the Holy Spirit will reveal to you things through his word. Number three, through the church. I want you to take a moment. Look around this room. This is the world's largest support group. The church is the world's largest support group. And everyone in here has some problem you are dealing with. You might have walked in here pretending that you have it all together today. You don't. You don't. I don't. And no one in this room is a perfect person. But if we come together, we can work through anything. We can encourage each other through anything. We can provide resources. We can provide support. But most of all, when you are at your wit's end, we can shake you and say, no, no, no. Keep your eyes up there. Keep your eyes up there. Hebrews 10.25, it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Church, this is good for our spiritual well-being. Don't neglect what you have right here. Lastly, if you are committed to God, I believe he's, he's already fully committed to you. You just need to open yourself up to him. And nothing, and I want to repeat this, nothing can separate that relationship. Satan's tried. He can't. You are sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And nothing can take that away. Listen to Romans 8, 38 through 39 as we end and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, make an appointment with God this week. Make an appointment with God this week for the counsel over your life. He's a wonderful counselor. Sit down with him. Open your heart up to him. There is not a single problem he can't solve. What I want you to do right now, I want you to just bow your heads. And I'm just going to take a brief moment. Who says, Pastor? I've got a whole lot of problems I'm dealing with and I haven't fully surrendered them to Jesus Christ. Raise both hands if that's you. What we're gonna do is we're gonna pray right now. Heavenly Father, Lord, you see hands raised all over this room. God, you see people who are saying, I choose to surrender under you, God, all my mistakes, all my failures, all the things that I had nothing to do with but have come against me, Lord, I turn it over to you, and God, I seek your counsel. I seek your wisdom. God, I seek your forgiveness. I seek your care. Lord, I pray that each and every person in this room understand your full commitment to them, Lord. That they be open to the work your Holy Spirit can do when they choose to turn it completely over to you. God, I see fingers in this room that have been grasping at these issues they've been going with. And Lord, I, re- I, I, I ask that God, spiritually, you will allow them to release that hold. Let them see how they've hung on to things for way too long. That God, we can look to you as the one who, who created us, who loved us, who sent his son, the author and finisher of our faith. God, you have, you have been with us from the beginning. God, you are going to see us through to the end. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you, for you are good, and there's no one like you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.